Most leaders don't intend to set up a traditional command and control hierarchy. But even these days, a lot of places end up that way, simply because most of us haven't seen another way. On this episode, an alternative structure that can help organizations achieve their goals. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 258. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show will give you access to the best thinkers, resources, and actions to help you to develop your leadership skills. And I'm glad you tuned in today because today, uh, a message that I think will get you thinking in a different way, if not for your entire organization of just how you approach your management and leadership. And as many of us know, a lot of the traditional ways that uh, a lot of us have grown up with and thought about management and leadership and organizational structures are changing. And that change is being met with all kinds of different opportunities for us, but also new challenges. And one of the frameworks that's emerged out of this changing environment is a framework called holacracy. And I've uh, heard a bit about it over the last couple of years as it's become more popular. And one of our mastermind members is in the process of thinking about utilizing holacracy for her organization. And as we started talking about that more, I said, we uh, we should all learn more about this, uh, whether it's the right choice for our organization or not. Learning about holacracy is, uh, I think, something that'll be really helpful for us. And I'm really looking forward to today's conversation with Brian Robertson. He is the author of Holacracy, the new management system for a rapidly changing world and the founder of that system. And uh, he's joining us today from Philadelphia to teach us a little bit more about the system. Brian, welcome to Coaching for Leaders. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. I'm really interested in this model because it it is, uh, from what I understand of it, which is not a lot. And so I'm coming to this conversation where I think a lot of our audience is coming from having maybe heard the term, but not really knowing much about it. But what I understand is that this is a very different look at what we traditionally think of a management structure in an organization. And I'm wondering, before we get into some of the details, what was the genesis of this? Where did this get started from? Yeah, so I, I'm an entrepreneur, and I spent many years building and growing a, a software company, which was basically a laboratory where Holacracy was developed. Uh, but for me, it, it it actually goes back to why I even started that company in the first place, which is I was in other organizations and a you know typical companies and and some really good companies, and I still felt like there's just got to be a better way to do this. I felt like my talents were constantly being blocked by bureaucracy and politics and drama and all of this stuff. And it gets in the way of of people using their gifts and and contributing to an organization. And I just felt like there's got to be a better way. So I started a company ultimately to create an experiment ground. And over the next many, many years, as I was building that, that firm, I would just go out and look for what new techniques and ideas, uh, anything I could find that might help me build a company where everyone's talents can be fully harnessed, fully used, uh, and people don't have all the, the obstacles to get in the way. And Holacracy was kind of the, the system that we just used to run that company. Uh, we really didn't build it initially thinking anyone else would care. <laughs> uh, but somewhere along the way, we, we realized, you know what, a lot of companies are struggling with really similar issues. And the system we developed for our company is, is 
broader than just what we were doing here. So uh, I left that software company about nine years ago now to take Holacracy on the road and spread it and bring it to other organizations. And uh, it's uh, in use now in hundreds and hundreds of companies all over the world. Wow. That is one word that I think is a real pain point for many of us. I've, I've certainly struggled with it too, and, and, and still am in some ways a bureaucracy, which is yeah. how to work through the, I think in many cases, unintentional consequences of putting in a traditional management structure in an organization. Um, how does Holacracy attempt to answer that question or at least to minimize some of that bureaucracy that we do see in organizations? Yeah, it, it relies on a, a different way of making sure we have order, control, alignment, uh, all of the things we look to a management hierarchy to do. Uh, we need these things, right? There's a myth, uh, especially in the press, which uh, often likes you know short sound bites and doesn't always understand holacracy. There's a myth that it's structureless or it's you know about uh, anarchy and chaos, and it's actually not. It's just a different way of getting structure. So in a management hierarchy, we look to managers to break down the work, to tell people you know what they're responsible for and hold them accountable for that, and make sure they're aligned and all these things. We need that. We need alignment. We need work breakdown. We need these things in organizations. Uh, the management hierarchy is one way to get there. And it's been kind of the dominant organizing mode for the past century uh, in its kind of modern form. But there are other ways, and holacracy is one of them. So think about, for example, the way we get order in a city, right? It's not through central planning in, in pretty much any modern city in the world today. We've, As a human species and societies, we've learned that free markets and self-organization actually work better than central top-down economic planning. And yet we go into our companies and and it's like we've stepped back into the feudal ages. Everything is centralized, top-down economic planning. Uh, so holacracy works more like what you might expect in a city. There's a framework of rules, right? It's not total chaos. There is structure in a, in a modern city. But within that structure, there's a lot of autonomy. So individual actors, agents, uh, humans in a city, we're free to use our judgment to respond locally to our environment. We know what's ours to control and what's not. I know not to take my neighbor's car to the airport, right? That's his. And yet I, I don't need to call a meeting with all of, them, all of my neighbors when I want to redecorate my house. It's my house. I lead it. So what Holacracy does, it's a framework for bringing in place into a company a different way of breaking down the work so that we ultimately clarify what's yours to control, what's mine to control, what do we expect from each other, and then it gets out of our way. It leaves us the freedom to lead. Uh, so it, instead of using a management hierarchy to get that order, it uses a series of processes, which we can talk more about as we go, but it basically replaces the function of managers with different processes that get the same result, but a lot more flexibly and using uh, leaving people more autonomy to self-organize in the, the meantime as well. Oh, interesting. And and you've said the word autonomy now a couple of times, and it's one of the words I, I love as far as thinking about how to motivate people. And it reminds me of Daniel Pink's book, Drive, of the, yep. the his three core elements of how do you motivate people. And, and an appropriate level of autonomy is one key one on, on how yes. to... And, and that is a common complaint of many people oh, and yeah. organizations, as you know, is I'm micromanaged. I don't get to do things the way I know that they need to be done. Not only that I, my own preference, but how I see the customer and, and the people we're serving asking for us to do things. I'm wondering if maybe we could get into some of the, the core elements of how this works. At a high level, it makes sense. But I'm, I'm wondering if you could walk us through, like, what does an organization that has adopted holacracy look like? 
as far as how roles and responsibilities work and expectations and those processes that you spoke of. Yeah, yeah definitely. And I, I love the reference to Dan Pink's work with Drive that definitely was an influence on me uh, in my journey as well. And and the challenge I, I think I ran into, and I think a lot of leaders do, is you know you can read about principles like that and you get the principles, but then how do you put them into practice, right? What, what, yeah. what do you do when you say, great, autonomy is good, now what? You know, and and as a CEO, I ran into the trouble of, you know, even if I value autonomy and empowerment and all these things at the top, how do I get every frontline manager throughout a, a, an organization to value that enough to, to not get in the way? Uh, that's really hard. Uh, so if you look at how we often try that, we work through leaders through the management hierarchy. We try to develop leaders. Ideally, we want leaders who you know, kind of give people clarity on here's your job, here's your role, here's what's expected of you. And then they get out of their way and they, they let them lead that role. They don't just micromanage every decision. And yet how many bosses do we know that are, are really, really good at that? You know, yeah. <laughs> And if they were, we'd probably promote them right up that management hierarchy and you know, create a vacuum and pull someone else into it who wasn't as good at that. You yes. know? <laughs> we, are, we are quite good at doing that in organizations. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> we, we rarely have an organization full of, of managers who are really good at creating autonomy. And I understand why it's hard. So what Holacracy does is give those leaders processes to kind of encourage them to do that. And, and let me give an example. So typically, we hope a manager creates clarity of here's your role, here's the expectations of your role, here's the autonomy of your role, now get out of your way and let you lead it, right? What Holacracy does, instead of relying on a manager to do that, it puts in place a governance process on every team. So any working team, any group that's working together, they're going to get together in regular governance meetings. These might happen once a month. Uh, and they can also do this via email and there's asynchronous ways for simple things. But you know, one governance meeting a month is typical. And in that governance meeting, instead of the manager saying you're responsible for these things and, and here's your responsibilities and whatever, anyone on the team can propose a change to anyone else's responsibilities on the team uh, or their autonomy, the 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 authority they have to lead their role. And all that gets documented in this kind of a, a simple little language that Holacracy creates. So you end up with a, a series of roles on a team and every role knows what the role is accountable for and what property the role controls, right? What What's theirs to lead, theirs to run with, and nobody else should mess with. And this is a learning, living, breathing thing. So instead of a static job description that's created once from somewhere up the management chain, uh, it's the team learning together. So the team is coming together. They're saying, you know, last month I ran into this obstacle and to solve that, I think we need this other role to be responsible for X or Y or Z or whatever. Hmm. And and that gets captured in this, this description of all the roles on the team. Uh, and then when we have that kind of learning process, we don't need a, a manager dictating what those are, which frankly, managers are not, aren't that good at anyway. Instead, it's an actual you know team learning document. And that lets us then take the next step or the next stance, which is as a result of that process, you have a clear role with clear expectations and clear authorities. Now go lead it. Uh, there's no authority of the manager. There's, there is no more you know manager to even micromanage in the first place. Because instead, we've got clarity. We know what you're responsible for. We know what decisions you can make and where the limits of your authority are. All that gets clarified through that governance process, and it can you know, evolve over time. 
Uh, and now when you fill a role, just like in life, being an adult, lead it, <laughs> you know, lead your life, lead your role. Uh, you don't need a, a parent telling you what to do you know, as, as an adult. And likewise, I think in companies, when we really know what we're responsible for and what the limits of our authority are, we don't need a, a parent-like manager micromanaging us. And if we do, maybe we're in the wrong role and we need to get out of it. Yeah. Uh, well, and I imagine that it's not necessarily like even though you've got autonomy, it's not like you would never talk to anyone. You you can certainly still get, go and get mentoring and coaching and interact with people that, that there's probably an expectation to do that. But it's just at the end of the day, you have ownership over this particular area. Yeah, absolutely. Just just like in life, right? I mean, I, yeah. can, I can go get input from all my friends, colleagues, whatever. But ultimately, I'm responsible for my life. I'm going to, you know, make sure I meet my responsibilities and I'm not going to look to my parents to do that anymore. You know, I'm not a, a child. And yet most of our organizations have these these parent-child dynamics that play out, partly, I think, because of the structure itself. We, we put managers as this parent-like authority figure. And uh, often that undermines the people underneath the manager acting like adults, even when the manager wants them to. And that's what I found. Right, uh, the, the structure itself pushes towards these weird parent-child dynamics, and yeah. if you can replace that, you know, with something that just gives people autonomy and clarity, then you don't need that. Yeah, indeed. It, and when you think about it, 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 like when you back up from it and think about like the traditional structure, it is very odd, <laughs> you know, yeah. how this all evolved and how we got to this place. And yet, I know there are people in our audience who are are thinking already, like. Okay, um, but how does this work with like the money and performance reviews and giving people promotions and things like that? Like, if there aren't any managers, or at least the, the management function, are there managers? How does that work, Brian? I mean, do you call? Are there people in the organization who are still called managers? And and how is some of that navigated with performance reviews and things like that? Yeah. So. It- Generally not. In most organizations doing Holacracy, there's no longer anything that looks like a traditional manager. But that's not to say that you lack authority for certain things. Uh, you just might divide it out differently into different roles. So for example, in my company, there is a role that has the authority to define a compensation system. We need one. Now, Holacracy itself doesn't tell us specifically what our compensation system should be, no more than a management hierarchy does. Right? With a management hierarchy, it doesn't come with a pre-canned compensation system. You can define your own in every company, and and you often kind of you know tie it to the management hierarchy because that's the framework you're in. So I think of holacracy more like a, an alternate framework. Just like the management hierarchy doesn't tell you what constraints you should have on how to fire people or you know what budgeting process you should have, it just gives you a basic framework to decide those things. And that's what Holacracy does as well. So you still need to compensate. You still need to fire people sometimes. You still need to you know, figure out how to, how to budget or whatever else. Holacracy doesn't give you the answers. It gives you a different framework. Instead of going up to the CEO and the management hierarchy to figure out how those things should work, you go to a governance process, right? So you have a process that replaces that. So in you know, my company, at some point, one of us went to the governance process and said, you know, we need a compensation system. This happened pretty early on. So we defined some roles. We said we need a compensation architect role to define it. But we really wanted to separate out the power to decide the specific compensation placements from people. So we didn't want to put that in any one person's hands. So we created a a small little committee that does that and then some process around that. Uh, So just like any other company, we have a defined system for compensation. The difference is ours doesn't tie to a management hierarchy, and it didn't come from the management hierarchy. So in our case, it's a much more peer-to-peer system. It's uh, your compensation's 
based more on the skills you've demonstrated to your peers. And there's a process for that. There's a library of skills. There's a transparent database even of what skills are worth what compensation. And so, and, and that's just our approach. Another company doing Holacracy might do that very differently. The difference is how do they get there? Do they all look to the boss to answer all those questions or do people take more individual responsibility, show up in a governance process and propose whatever it is they think is needed to move the company forward? Uh, so it's, it's a really a different way to create structure. Yeah, it is. And and you said a word a moment ago, too, that is one that I know is also a, a hot one for a lot of people, which is the word committees. And I know, and I tend to have a bias when I think about an organization and, and dealing with people with all the challenges that come with a traditional structure. At the end of the day, in a lot of cases, I'd almost rather have one person to go to, to yeah. need to win over or to influence and when I hear the word committee, it just sort of, it just, there's something inside me that, <laughs> me <too. laughs> that I, I know for a lot of people, it's like, oh, yeah. management by committee. Oh no. Like yeah. we're going to yeah. talk about bureaucracy. So how do you guys frame that as far as when there are places where committees come into the system, how do you keep it from being the bureaucracy that tends to emerge in a lot of committee environments? Yeah, that's a great question. I also have an allergic reaction to committees as they're, they're very seldomly used actually in companies doing holacracy. Every now and then there's some decision that you want, you know, a handful of people involved in. But even then, I think what really gets committees stuck is this expectation of consensus, uh, which by the way is rampant in a management hierarchy. As much as we think of it as this top down structure, think about a typical company. How many decisions are really made by autocratic direction of the boss versus a group spending a whole lot of time in a meeting talking about an issue forever until everybody's bought in and on the same page, which mm. is, a, I think, a colossal waste of time for most issues. And one of the, I think, often common misunderstandings when people hear about structures that don't rely on the management hierarchy is that they must rely on consensus and committees. And that's actually not true at all with holacracy. It's much more like a, a modern city. You know, I don't need to call a meeting and and come to a committee to decide how to you know decorate my house or or you know whatever. It's mine. I know I get to lead it. I can get the input I want, but it's ultimately mine. Uh, Holacracy is about creating that clarity in an organization of who makes which decisions, not about coming to consensus and making group decisions. So the interesting part, I mentioned the governance meeting we have or the process, that's actually not used to make specific decisions. It's used to decide who makes those decisions. So in other words, for example, let's say, I, well, real example, I was just with a client the other day and they were doing a... Uh, pilot for a chat support platform and somebody brought up, hey, we need to decide if we should continue rolling out this chat support platform or not. And I hear that a lot in companies, we need to decide. And the challenge of that, we is a terrible worker. <laughs> Most companies, we gets assigned a lot of stuff and yeah. we isn't very efficient at doing it. So what Holacracy jumps in and does is said, okay, stop trying to make a group decision by committee on what to do with your chat support program. Instead, let's go to a governance process and let's clarify what role has the authority and the responsibility to make that decision and what limits do we want from that. Maybe they need an accountability for aligning with some marketing strategy or whatever else, who knows. Um, so we use the governance process of Holacracy to clarify the structure of who makes which decisions within what limits and with what expectations so that operationally they can just go make those decisions and lead their role without calling meetings, without seeking consensus, and without having to use committees. Uh, it's very rare that you really do want a group decision. Uh, and if you do want a group decision, Holacracy will allow for that as well. It's not prevented. It's just 
kind of the, the ultimate last resort when you can't find any better option. We do use it for some things like, you know, compensation is something that often you want more than one head in the game just to avoid the weird power dynamics. But yeah. that's actually more an exception than a rule. Yeah, well, and it's it's that distinction sounds really important because when you were originally talking about the governance meeting, I was thinking, oh, that sounds a lot like a committee. But it's like you said, it's really not. That's just yeah. where you decide who has ownership over what and who has decision-making authority over what. But the actual decisions, like you're saying, are, are done within that person's own authority or that role's own authority. So that's really, yes. that's, it sounds like a really key distinction for how uh, how holacracy works within an organization. Yeah, it is. And and actually, uh, even in that governance meeting, it's not a big consensus discussion. Even to get there, there's a really disciplined decision-making process that has a bias towards action. Anyone can come with a proposal, but then instead of looking to everyone else and saying, do you agree with this proposal, which is a great way to have a really inefficient meeting, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. the question on the table is a little different. It's, do you see any reasons why that proposal will cause harm or move us backwards? Uh, whether or not you think it's a good idea, whether it works, whether you like it, none of these are relevant questions. The only question on the table, do you see a reason it will cause harm or move us backwards? And if you do, then that doesn't stop it. We just need to discuss that and figure out a way to address that issue without causing harm somewhere else. Uh, but we're not looking for consensus, even in that governance process. We're, we're just looking to break down the work in a way that no one else says, hey, that's going to cause harm and screw me up in my area. And that work of doing that, frankly, I think is exactly what leaders need to do. So holacracy is not without leadership. In fact, if, if anything, it invites everybody to step into that leadership role for some piece of work. Uh, and ultimately, I think you know this program is all about leaders and leadership. What I've learned over many years of, of leading companies is my job as a leader is really to create more leaders. It's 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 to create a system that doesn't need me at the center making every decision, uh, and that's what I think every entrepreneur has to learn if they want to have a company that outgrows them. Your job as an entrepreneur is not to be the central hero making all the decisions forever. It's to build capacity of the organization so that they don't need you. It's to clarify who's doing what in such a way that, that you don't have to be at the center. And that said, that's easy to understand in principle, but it's a lot harder to put into practice even when you want to. And all Holacracy does is give you some processes to help with that. It's kind of guide rails for what an entrepreneur or a leader of any sort needs to do anyway, which is build structure and build capacity to get themselves out of the center of it. Yeah, and as you were talking earlier, I was thinking it's really in, an interesting way to frame a leadership training ground and a leadership development path because it's I would su I suspect although I'm I'm sure people figure it out, but it's a little harder to I'm trying to think of a better word than hide, but you know, a lot of people are really comfortable with mediocrity in their careers and it's a little harder to probably hide and to not take leadership and ownership in a system like holacracy because ultimately you know you do have ownership over a particular area and there's a necessity for you to learn how to lead and to be effective at doing that or not and uh, and so that's a really it's really interesting that you're that thinking is is mar much part of the process I, I was also thinking we had uh, david marquet on the show recently uh you're Love probably familiar with his work yeah, yeah and you know it's all about getting pushing authority down to the people who have the most information and the people who are closest to the work, closest to the customer, whatever the case may be, often are the people who are going to make the better decisions with the information they've got because they're closest to it. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I love the metaphor for that of 
parenting, right? I, I think it's it's easy to to think. I'm sure many of your listeners are parents. Your job as a parent is not to raise a kid that is still completely dependent on you when they're 30. You know, your job as a, a parent is to help them build the capacity to not need you, right? I, just you still have a relationship with them, but but where they're an adult and they don't need you leading their lives and making decisions for them. Yeah. And I think the same is true with leaders and companies. And if we want to do that, it takes more than just mentoring, although that's a part of it. It takes building the clarity of here's your role, you lead it, you know, you make these decisions and I'm not going to get involved and micromanage that. That's yours to lead. So step up and and do it, lead it, you know, and, and make that visible and transparent. So everyone knows it's theirs to lead and there's nowhere to hide, you know, and, and you can do that in a management hierarchy. Absolutely. It's just hard. And I think holacracy is an alternate structure that makes it a little easier to build that kind of, of leadership environment. Well, and that's a good lead into our next question here, which is I, I know there are probably folks who are listening and some small business owners and, and leaders in medium-sized businesses who are wondering like, okay, well, maybe you know the traditional system isn't that attractive, but it's the one I know and it's the one I'm comfortable with. What would be the indicator for an organization that holacracy may be something they want to pursue? And are there situations that organizations would be in that would lend themselves to the system more, or even things that maybe you'd say, hey, Holacracy isn't the right model for this kind of an organization. Do you guys have experience where you've you've seen that on either side? Yeah, definitely. So a few thoughts. Uh, one, I, I always like metaphors for this, and I, I, I'm a Mac user now, but I was a Windows user a few years ago, and I switched from Windows to Mac. And you know, it wasn't any one thing that got me to switch. It wasn't like I had a single problem with Windows that I was trying to solve. And that's also true as well when I see companies moving from management hierarchy to holacracy. It's not that there's a single problem that they're trying to solve. It's more, for me, I just wanted a better platform to build on top of. Right? I was looking for something that would just give me more flexibility, more adaptability that would let me customize my computer better to meet my specific needs. And you know, it, it wasn't any one thing. I just wanted a better framework, a better platform. Mm. And for me, Mac was that. Uh, it, it, and it took me a while for the first six months I switched. It took me longer to do everything. <laughs> I had to yeah. learn all new everything. Oh, yeah. same here. When I did it, uh, when I moved four or five or six years ago, whenever it was, it does slow you down it initially. Does slow you down short term. To yeah. the point where you <laughs> think about, and I thought about, I was like, maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I, I go should back. go back to a PC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, now on the other side, I would I, I don't look back at all. I'm I'm so glad I made the, the journey, but that first six months was rough. Oh yeah, me too. And, me too. <laughs> the same's true with holacracy. So I think that the companies that make the shift and and are able to get through it and sustain it, they're not just looking for a quick fix to solve a specific problem. If that's what I was looking for, I should have stuck with Windows and and just found something to hack around my my one issue. I think most of the the leaders that that bring this into their departments or their companies, uh, they're looking for a better platform, and they're in it for the long haul. They're not asking how do I solve you know my issues for the next six months. They're saying how do I build the right platform for my business for the next six years, and in that frame, the investment to upgrade the core operating system of your company is a lot more worth it. It makes more sense if you're if you're looking at the next six months. It's really hard. So uh, the kinds of companies I recommend it for or I see you know fit it better are the ones that can take a longer term perspective they're not in an like immediate survival mode although ironically if a company is in survival mode sometimes there's a reason they got there and yeah. they really do need to think a little bigger picture to get out of it but it's the ones that that are looking at the long term play that are 
not totally stuck and wedded in the status quo way things are. Usually it's, it's pretty inspiring leaders and inspired leaders who can take a much bigger view and say, you know, maybe there's a better way to structure and run a, a business than what we've been doing for the past century. And it's, it's the ones that are, are ready and willing to learn a new way to lead themselves, not just tell others to, mm. <laughs> which you know, it's much easier to tell others to, to change the way they lead. I've, I've certainly done that for many years <laughs> in my, my leadership journey, but it's actually a lot harder to look in the mirror and say, and I'm in it with them and I'm going to learn a new way to lead too. And holacracy requires that. It's, it's a shift in the, the fundamental rules of the game it's kind of like shifting from one sport to another. And, you know, if, if you're a master bridge player and you sit down at the poker table and apply the same strategies, you're going to lose a lot of money. Yeah. And <laughs> holacracy is a new set of rules, which requires everyone involved, especially the leaders bringing it in, to be willing to be a beginner and learn uh, a new way to influence and a new way to build structure in their companies. Uh, so it's the leaders that are really ready and willing and wanting that kind of, of transformational challenge. Those people tend to do very well with it. Yeah, and and it and like you said it's still a big mind shift change for them and even if they know that they need to do a different system than's worked or or hasn't worked for their organization before, I suspect that there's a lot of leaders that approach this with some sense of fear of thinking, you know, I I'm giving up whether it's true or not, I'm giving up some control in some areas and I really have to rethink of how I frame this organization. How do you help leaders to think about that or work through some of that? And it, are they giving up control? And and if they are, how do you how do you navigate that? I mean, that we could probably do yeah. all we could probably do all hour on <laughs> right, that. Right? On just that yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's rarely the person bringing in the holacracy that has that concern, but it does come up in a major way in the management ranks below that person. Right, the, the guy at the top probably wouldn't be bringing it in if he was too scared of it. Yeah, right? true. But often you see a, a ton of initial resistance and concern in the ranks, you know, right below that level. Uh, especially when people have, you know, they've made a career climbing the management rungs. They've identified with their their job title. They've got a, a sense of self esteem that comes from being a manager with so many direct reports and all that. And this will challenge that, uh, and it will challenge them to to look a little differently at the way they add value in the organization, uh, to be more entrepreneurial than managerial. Right? It, it kind of requires that shift to. I create value as an entrepreneur, and that's why I'm valuable, rather than I coordinate the work of those who create value (laughs) as a manager. We have all sorts of processes we've learned to deal with that. It's a little different in every every team. But ultimately, it comes down to this. Holacracy, for me, I I also run a business, and and we use Holacracy. And it's uh, as an entrepreneur, leader who's run a company as a CEO in a management hierarchy and now in Holacracy. I don't feel like I have less control to help this organization express its purpose and serve its customers. I feel like I have less personal control to let my ego get in the way. <laughs> so oh, interesting. interesting thing. It does. It removes my ability to satisfy my own ego by bossing people around and you know just telling them what to do. But frankly, when I do that, it gets in the way of my company building capacity for the long term to express its purpose. And I still have lots of control to help it with that. In fact, if anything, I have more control, not less, to help my organization find the right structure, the right expectations, the right roles to actually serve its market. And I have different ways of using that control. Instead of just going and telling somebody what to do, now I have to actually define what I'm expecting of them. I have to clarify my intent. I have to use a governance process that gives them some more voice and say in that process 
to make sure I don't run over something I don't see and cause harm in the in the the, the, the process. Huh. So the overall effect is I have to exert control differently. I have less egoic control, but more control to serve for the purpose and for the customers, which frankly is the kind of control I want people in my organization to wield and not yeah. perform. <laughs> yeah, servant leadership, fascinating. Yeah. And so first steps, an organization or a leaders thinking about this or looking for a different or better model, is it to go read the book? Is it to go to the your website? What What's the first step? And then what is the what's the process generally that an organization would go through in, in order to implement this? Yeah, well, the book or the website can certainly give you a little bit more information and uh, kind of a uh, at least some sense of it. I think the first step is really get a taste of it, and and by that I mean an experience of it. It's, it's like a different game or a different sport. You know, the best way to understand a sport you've never seen is rarely to to read a rule book. It's more to go watch it being played, or better yet, get out on the field and try a game. Uh, and there are a lot of ways people can do that. There's workshops and trainings that give people an experiential space. They're run all over the world by all different organizations on Holacracy. And a lot of executive teams end up bringing in a company to actually run a couple of days worth of Holacracy-style processes on their executive team so that they can kind of get a firsthand experience of how this process would solve the real issues that they're facing as an executive team. I think that's probably the best way to really get a sense of it. And again, you can find a lot more on holacracy.org about all that stuff and organizations that do that work and, and all that. But whether it's a workshop or, or bringing somebody in or, or just reading the book, which has some stories in it and things like that, the, the experiential sense of it is is the most important thing when when you're you're trying to wrap your head around a totally different way to structure and organize a business. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I I love that analogy of going to watch the game or or see the game versus reading the rule book. So it sounds like Holacracy.org a good clearinghouse for people to get a sense of what are some of the the people who would do that and and could potentially come in and provide some taste of that experience for the organization. Absolutely. Very good. Well, uh, Brian, this has really been so interesting to to learn more about Holacracy, how it works, and what leaders would want to be thinking about this from an organizational standpoint. And I just really appreciate you uh, bringing your wisdom and your enthusiasm to us and getting us thinking about a different way we may structure our organizations as well. Hey, Dave, thanks for having me and helping us get the word out there about a radically new way to structure a business. Brian Robertson is the author of Holacracy, the new management system for a rapidly changing world, and you can find details at holacracy.org. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Dave. If you haven't already, please join my weekly leadership guide. It comes to your inbox on Wednesdays. It always includes the link to the notes for all of the resources that we mention every week on the show, including, of course, this week's show, which will have all the resources to what Brian and I discussed and links for your follow-up. If you listen on the go like I do, it's a great way to come back to what you've been listening to and to follow up on your own development. And in addition, I'm also each week curating different things I'm finding online, other podcast episodes from other folks out there, articles by other leaders, things that I think that will be really helpful to you in your continued leadership development between the shows. If you'd like to join that, go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. And as soon as you do, you'll also get my reader's guide that lists the 10 leadership books that will help you to get better results from others. So again, that's at coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. And if you found today's conversation of value, I would encourage you to check out 
three past episodes in the Coaching for Leaders library. The first one that may be relevant to you as well is episode 84. I had Daniel Pink on the show, who is the author most recently of To Sell is Human. Pink is a huge thinker in the world on human motivation and helping organizations be more effective. And he talks in detail, not only in that interview, but in the book about non-traditional selling and how so many of us are called upon to really influence effectively these days. And it fits right along in alignment with the holacracy conversation we had today. In addition, I'd also encourage you to check out episode 117. This episode actually came up as a point of discussion in a number of our mastermind sessions recently, and that episode is the seven steps you follow to delegate work. Now, that may seem like an odd recommendation after this episode. Delegation is a more traditional management practice, but it turns out that there's a lot that even if you're not in a formal management capacity, a lot you can learn from following a delegation process to get people to help you to do work and to achieve goals together and vice versa. If you're not familiar with a process for delegating and assigning work and thinking about roles, I would certainly encourage you to check out episode 117. And then finally, episode 253, which just aired a few weeks ago with David Burkus. We talked about some of the new management practices of leading organizations. Holacracy, of course, is a newer practice. We talked about a number of others with David Burkus, so check that out as well. And again, the way to get to all the past episodes, just go to Coaching for Leaders dot com slash the episode number and all those links of course will be in the weekly leadership guide as well on next week's show i'm thrilled to welcome scott barlow to the show he is the host of the podcast happen to your career it's a really popular show and scott has interviewed thousands of people about their career journeys not only on his podcast but in his professional experience it's a fun conversation. I really look forward to you listening, especially if you're thinking about your own career development. Finally this week, thank you to Brett here in the States for the very kind review on iTunes. And also a big thanks to Emmett out in Ireland and Pierre in France for the reviews on Stitcher. Thank you to all three of you. I'm grateful for you taking the time to mention the show. If you'd like to leave a rating or review on iTunes, go to coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes. And if you're a Stitcher user, go to coachingforleaders.com slash Stitcher. Thanks in advance and see you next week for a discussion about your career development. Take care.